The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by Relola. The Relola app helps agents leverage their local expertise. Create a beautiful interactive map of everything you love about your community, from businesses to listings to local features. Share it on Facebook and your website. And it's free for all realtors in 2018. Learn more at relola.com. So my challenges were constantly keeping up with technology. Now, granted, I had the best, I feel like some of the best technologies in place, but keeping that going, staying ahead of it, trying to work, be a broker, train agents, it became a a burden. And um, the more I looked at it, the more I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to check out a few of these uh, national brands, went to a couple global conferences. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 126 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in and finding our little corner of the internet and listening to this show. And more importantly, thank you for telling your friends about it, leaving a rating or review. If you feel like it at iTunes, it just helps us grow. I really appreciate it. And, and today I'm really excited. I get to bring someone from the state of Florida, where I now live, back onto the podcast. And it's going to be Debbie Kirkland. Debbie Kirkland is the broker owner of Century 21 First Story Real Estate in Tallahassee, Florida. The day we're recording this, I think it's snowed in Tallahassee. I'll ask Debbie about that. And uh, <laughs> Debbie, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us today. Well, I'm super excited to help you out, Bill. And like I was telling you just a little bit earlier, just hope that whatever it is we talk about might help somebody or entertain them one way or the other. I'm, I'm good with that. I like that. So first of all, what's your weather like up there as we record this episode mid-January? Well, I'll put it this way. I I have a customer who I sold a home to and, you know, people always ask you, you know, well, gosh, does it ever snow in Tallahassee? Do you ever get many hurricanes? You know, those are common questions we get up here. And, you know, of course I say, oh, no, we never get any of those things. Well, we had three hurricanes in our area come through this year, and it snowed twice already. So (laughs) not long. It was only a 10-minute episode, but it did snow. So I've learned never to say never. Right. Now, you've you've lived and worked in Tallahassee for a long time. Are, Are you a native there? Were you born and raised there? I was born and raised here, actually a fourth generation Tallahassee native. And I uh, have a long history of uh, family that is stretches from here, North Carolina to, to Florida, some of the early settlers of Florida, uh, immigrants from Germany. So I know a little bit about my family history, but I am fourth generation and my daughters are fifth generation. So, so let's talk about Tallahassee for a second. I'm assuming you're a Seminole fan. Is that safe? Uh, of course. <laughs> Is there any other team in Florida? That's what you want to say, right? <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can't not be, right? Right. So talk to, tell, tell people about Tallahassee, because Florida is a giant state, especially you talk from north to south, right? But Tallahassee. It's a huge state, yeah. Yeah, Tallahassee's up in the panhandle, right? Tallahassee's in the, yes, in the panhandle center, north Florida, Um halfway between Pensacola and Jacksonville. We are dead center right in the north area. We're only about 20 miles from the Georgia border. 
and another 30 miles to the Gulf Coast. Okay. And so isn't it right on I-10? You're part of that LA to Jacksonville yes. connection, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. We are. Yeah, we are off of I-10. Do you have a little bit of a Southern drawl? And I know you know that. <laughs> and you're from Florida. But that's because you're, you know, kind of so close up in the Georgia area. It's a lot different than, say, someone who was born and raised in Naples, right? Uh, I think so. I, You know, people ask me all the time, am I from Georgia? And I say, well, I, literally my home was about 15 miles from the Georgia border. So I, I don't know really where I get it, really. My folks don't have that kind of an accent, but somewhere along the way, I, I definitely have uh, morphed into that <laughs> Southern accent and I'm comfortable with it. It's all good. I think that a lot of North Flor- Floridians are kind of the same way as I meet them, you know, through uh, being here. Yeah. In yeah. So, so I got to tell you, I've done, this is you know, like the episode 126. I've only three previous guests knew they would be a realtor, you know, at a young age in their teen years. How about you? What what did 16-year-old Debbie want to do when she uh, got out of school? <laughs> That's so funny when you're asking me that question. I, I thought long and hard about that. And I, I think at 16, I was um, a rebel in my little uh, Christian high school that I went to. And I think the only thing I was really interested in the time was hurrying up and graduating. I actually graduated or I finished all of my credits in, in my junior year and then just took the minimum just to be able to graduate in, um, in my senior year. But I, I just really wanted to get out and work. I had a, a interest in getting started in life and you know, I enjoyed sports and that kind of thing, but certainly real estate was not on my radar at the time. Right. Uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me what was, I mean, what did you do? What was the first job you took when you got out of school? Oh gosh. The first job I had, I, I went to work for the, um, at that time it was the Florida Marine Patrol, which was its own entity. Um, and I worked here in their, their main administrative office and, uh, actually got to go out couple times throughout the state and do small things. Just learned a lot about Florida while I was working there. So that was an awesome thing. It was under the Division of Natural Resources at the time. So I learned about the Manatee Protection Act and all kinds of things. We had a major oil spill at the time in Corpus Christi that kind of spread over to the Gulf Coast uh, this way at one point during my work time there. So I I just really learned a lot about Florida that way. And I think it was always important to me to, to learn even more, you know, and share that with people. So I'm I'm guessing that stuff that you picked up there comes in handy even today. Oh gosh. Yes. Cause we, we did a lot with Florida parks and, and uh, my sister also, uh, who's two years younger than I, she is the association executive for the Florida Parks and Recreation Association. So she represents Florida's parks and rec programs for kids and camps and things like that. So again, it's given me a, a pretty good idea of just all that Florida has to offer. And you're, you were right earlier talking about how big a state it is. I don't think people realize how much coastline we have here. And then all the things that are in between, it's probably the most diverse uh, state, one of the most diverse that I think I've ever visited. I agree. It's been fun to explore it. We've, we've been here a little over a year now. And, and just to see the different zones, I'll call them, or areas, it's been a lot of fun you know, discovering our, our new home. And it's, it's been great. 
Let me yes. Let me ask you lots this. Lots of uh, lots of uh, eco structures, trails. You know, it, it's just really interesting. The natural resource part of it, I think, is also as a realtor to me, it, it's really one of my passions is to protect that and learn about it and tell other people about it as well. So what was that moment in your life that, uh, that, that, that trigger, what was that trigger that got you into the world of real estate? Well, a little interesting story. I, I was in dentistry for 20 years. I was a dental hygienist and I taught at uh, Tallahassee Community College here. I worked uh, for 14 years with a, a surgical office here in town and was really kind of at the top of my industry. I had been really involved with the association, the Dental Hygiene Association throughout the state and national level. And I just felt like I was at the top of my pay scale. And I said, this is not enough for me. And frankly, um, I was also doing a little bit of practice management consulting, teaching uh, dentists and staffs how to be nice to each other and their customers. <laughs> so a little PR, PR and marketing for them. And I just shook my head. And at that time, I was so frustrated with they really don't get it. They really don't get it, you know, and I'm tired of it. And it's time for me to look for something else. So naturally for me, my whole family is in construction, uh, in development and whatnot. And for me, real estate was kind of a natural fit. Um, it helped me, you know, dental hygiene was a little bit of a teaching kind of a job with the public and having also just experience working with the public. It just, it was really natural fit for me. I, I I set my mind to do it. It was like 20 years. Here's my 20 year anniversary in that career. And I'm stepping off and I never look back. The first thing that comes to my mind when you, when you talk about it is you had to have a, a client list as a hygienist because people, when they like their hygienist, they'll follow them and they stick with them. T tell me, tell me you knew that database when you got into the world of real estate. <laughs> I would love to tell you that I was that organized, but I was not. Okay. <laughs> Again, this is 20, I mean, 2002 is when I was licensed. I had no clue about what I needed to start in the real estate career other than determination and uh, actually going out and word of mouth marketing, you know, right. pimping myself out here, you know, right. Right. but I, I really, I had to learn. I, I It's school of hard knocks, but. Uh, I started with a really good broker that gave me a great base and told me what I needed to do. And then I began to assimilate and get organized. But being a native and having an extended family in the area, tons of friends, you know, yes, that was um, one of the first things that I did for sure. Early in your career, you were, you were with Prudential, right? I was. Well, I was with a small independent company for about four months. Okay. And... Uh, Long story short, uh, came in and I was really transitioning kind of part time and thought I'd just slide into this, which was very not the case. <laughs> you, you just had to really just step off, you know, uh, but it was a broker that wasn't a good fit for me. Let me just say that. And one evening I just handed him the keys and said, I'm not going to start my career like this. And I, I went on and I did interview with Prudential. Um, there was a, a brokerage here that had two women that were brokerages or brokers, excuse me. They uh, were single women, had families. Um, I connected with them, you know, right away. And they were super successful 
Uh, they were also had a lot of experience in development. And that was one of my interests, again, because of some family influence. And it was just people that I wanted to align myself with. And I was there for six years and I, I, I learned a lot and I really enjoyed that. You had great brokers, which, boy, you can't stress enough how important that is for somebody who's new. But, but then you also had probably the structure that a, that a big national brand kind of brings to somebody who's just learning. Is that, that, is that the case as well? They, they were structured, but back then, I think franchises were different. And, okay. and you know, I'm in a franchise now, and I've been an independent agent, uh, a brokerage. And, and, and I'll just say that, for me, it, it really wasn't about the franchise. I learned about the franchise, and I learned what a franchise was by being involved with them. But at that point in time, the franchises, they were not um, agent-oriented, you know? they were big scale, you know, global brand recognition. I learned a lot about that, but every broker is different, even in a franchise as to how much they rely on and use the tools of a brokerage. And this was a company that didn't do that a lot. They did not have a ton of that um, information. They did have print material back then, you know, but web presence wasn't a big deal. IDX wasn't even around. So it, it was a different time okay. back then, for sure. Well, you say six years there, and you just say, is this where you decided to go on your own and open your own brokerage? No, no. I, um, I left there, and I went to an independent brokerage uh, after a split with a, a partner that I had um, at the other office. And someone had been recruiting me for quite some time, and I went there, uh, one of my main questions to them when I started was, you know, where are you headed with technology? Because I was really into it by then. I was really one of the early adopters in my area of anything, social media, website, all of that. I had I had taught myself that. And uh, I wanted to be aligned with a brokerage that was moving forward in that direction. So I stepped off and went to an independent company. And, um, you know, I was there six years. I'm not a real hop around kind of a person, you know, and and uh, I after about year four, I was like, you know what? This really isn't panning out. We're not moving forward. Um, I actually I'm moving forward. I'm actually beyond where I think this brokerage needs to be. And I was actually operating like a brokerage within a brokerage anyway. So I was like, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to start the process in my mind planning uh, a brokerage. I knew that others here in town did not offer anything like what I was already doing. And I just didn't want to make that mistake again. You know, I didn't want to step off into another brokerage and then have the same frustrations. So I decided to start my own. I researched, 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 planned, 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 and then two years later, um, opened my own uh, brokerage, an independent agency. So yeah. that, that's, a, that's a big step, right? For, for others that are maybe having those same thoughts you're having, you know, what, mm -hmm. what are some of the things they, they should they need to know that you've learned after you did the thing, you know, the, you opened your own on your own. Well, I think for me, the biggest learning curve, uh, if I had it to do over would be having your, your finances, financial house in order. 
Um, you know pretty much what your budgets are. You're used to working with budgets, hopefully. Um, but I, I had been relying on accountants that I'd had for years, things like that, that weren't really um, helping me plan better. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm making sense, it, it was more. I, I really believe it's a person needs to have a lot more goals written down, um, achievable goals, knowing what your brokerage model financially needs to look at, what you have to offer agents look look looks like. And for me, you know, when I started. I was an agent for forever. I was not a broker. I had not been in charge. I had not been responsible for collecting commissions and then paying them out and keeping people happy. And that took a lot of learning. I mean, this is our this is our fourth year. No, yeah, going on fourth year in business. And I just this year finally got my commission schedules down to what I think is sustainable for a long period. You know, a little bit of that is trial and error, not knowing what your expenses are every month and growing and then adding people and money coming in, money coming out. And um, also just being able to be competitive and offer agents what I feel like is a lot more fair shake for what they do. And um, that's kind of how I'd design this brokerage and something that I think deserves a lot of attention if somebody's thinking about opening up their own shop for sure. That makes sense. Um, I mean, you, you want to have the right people working for you or working with you and, and uh, you've got to have the right thing in place to make that happen. I, I, I think that part of it, maybe it's not something you think about right away. Um, but you've, you like, as you mentioned, it kind of came over time for you. Let me, let me switch gears for a second. One thing you know, doing a little research and looking around at what you're doing, you are, um, you embrace volunteerism, like local, state, national, you are so involved with the associations and talk about why that's so important and why, why a new agent should consider, you know, um, giving back to the, to the industry. Well, early on, you know, from the time I was a kid, I, I have done a lot of volunteering and been a part of service organizations since I can remember, probably middle school age. My, my parents thought it was important. My grandparents did it. I mean, it, it is just kind of ingrained in me. And then as I developed a profession, first in dentistry, um, I considered it a profession. I was so happy to know that there was a professional association out there for that industry. And then in same thing in real estate, you know, um, I don't think I could ever be a business owner and not be a part of the process of how that looks and is designed and what it does and everything from education to memberships, uh, membership benefits, you know, and, and the public. So for me, it was that, and it was also about having credibility um, with my customers. You know, I, I believe that if you're involved, if you're um, involved in public policy, membership, you know, benefits and planning, 
you can talk to your customer on a whole different level. And they completely understand that you are full on. This is your profession. It is your J-O-B. It is not a part-time situation here. This is something that you do. You're good at it. And you're well-rounded and versed in anything that comes up. I mean, we have issues in Florida with insurance, with septic tanks, with, you know, natural environment. Um all of those things. And it and we show properties that those things have to be brought up. And if you don't know about legislation and if you don't know about code requirements, things like that, you can't you can't really communicate in, in the way that I think you need to communicate with your customers and give them proper information. So for me though, it was also about um, the fellowship of other brokers and other members and establishing a really strong network. Um, And the network that I have in the state is great, but truthfully, the network that I have across the nation started actually on social media, believe it or not, but those are the people that are my go-to people um, and have have brought me a lot of the insight that I now bring back to the state on a state level. You know, Florida's always been advanced. We're always one of the top most progressive states across the country, right? Well, other states in all their trials and tribulations and things they're going through, looking outside the Florida box into those things and then bringing that back just helps us all be a more well, well-rounded professional, well-rounded association and um i've enjoyed sharing that with people let me let me let's let's get everybody caught up to what you're doing now you uh in just the last year or two i think right you became a franchisee with century 21 talk about that decision about going um you know into the the big brand world of real estate well um as soon as i opened my doors i was being recruited and i you know Everybody has that uh, <laughs> that that idea that you you want to do it yourself, be independent. I, I had looked at franchises. I had looked at several franchise models. Almost committed to one that was would have been a brand new franchise model for the United States. I mean, it was you know very out of the box, um, progressive. It would have been great, but it didn't succeed, and I I was glad. I didn't get caught up in that. But the the bigger picture was that after I had been a broker for two years, um, you know, we're a small office, a, a boutique office, and I'm still a working agent. And I didn't want to be a working agent, and I still don't want to be a working agent. Um, my job, I feel like, is doing what I do best, and that is being the rainmaker, being the the promoter of other people, other agents. Uh, stepping back from that to grow other professionals, you know, creating a secession plan for when I don't want to work um, and and what that looks like. So my challenges were constantly keeping up with technology. Now, granted, I had the best, I feel like some of the best technologies in place, but keeping that going, staying ahead of it, trying to work, be a broker, train agents, it became a a burden. And um, 
the more I looked at it, the more I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to check out a few of these uh, national brands, went to a couple global conferences and I chose Century 21 because I, I went there and um, what I was the most impressed about was not so much forms and signs and this and that and the other, but it was really more that they had a super young, very engaged research and development department um, with millennials. Okay. My office is all millennials. Okay. So, and, and I, I don't know why, but I just, I gravitate towards that, you know, and I guess it's just because I'm always looking for energy and what I, I, I don't want to be the old person that does stuff the old way. You know what I'm saying? I always want to be more progress, progressive. And this was a, it was a very progressive uh, department. They were designing and looking at technologies, looking at uh, charities engaged across, across a global market. That was really impressive to me. Uh, and I, I just, you know, I realized that I needed something that provided me a little bit more of a base um, and a broader base, a much broader base than my little company. So it was a good fit. That's when I did it. You have, like you mentioned earlier, you're a way early adopter of what was happening with social media and, and in 2006, 7, 8, and that kind of range when it was just getting started. Talk about being an early adopter and, and talk about there's still pushback, believe it or not, from some people out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. That don't think it's valuable. Tell, tell them why it's valuable. <laughs> well, why don't you ask the the 500 people that just attended Jacksonsville Real Estate Bar Camp? Uh, about two thirds of them were new and never been to one before, and they were so engaged with things, seeking out, you know, new things and technologies and new business practices and principles and and having the discussion that their brokers aren't having or their agents in their area aren't having. I mean. It's critical. I mean, looking at looking at real estate, I I recognized early on that it was a very closed off profession. It was very proprietary. You know, God help if you walk in and somebody's got a new flyer that they just designed on Publisher or some Word document, and you happen to peek at it and get an idea that you might want to do. I mean, that's the way that realtors acted, you know, and I just, I couldn't take it. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. I, I, you know, I mean, you're not the first person that's ever talked about this or done this. There are other people that have done it and done things better. And there are people that might give you a whole different tool that you can use to be more productive. I was always looking for that, you know, Um, and I, again, I connected to a lot of marketing professionals. I mean, my my college did not include PR and or marketing. Basically, it did not, and so I felt like I really needed to learn about that in order to be able to market properties, be able to market myself and my business. And so I, I just I've always been a believer that you have to reach for that. And looking outside the industry was. The first thing that I did, and then when I started saying, okay, well, I want to apply those things that I learned, then I started looking for realtors who were 
who had the same interest, you know, who were doing some of those things that were ahead of the curve, that were outside the box. And thank God for Twitter, because Twitter is where I met all of those people and I sought them out. And not only did I connect with them there, I got their phone numbers and called them, you know, and we started the, the personal relationships. And today, to this day, they're the most important people in my career and a lot of them in my life, you know, so it's just that important. Look, I met you on Twitter. <laughs> That's where we met. Yeah. yeah. So let's, now you, uh, I recently attended my first, not only Jacksonville bar camp, but the first bar camp that the Florida Association of Realtors puts on at their state convention. You, mm-hmm. I think, started that bar camp. Uh, I, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, we had had one bar camp in, in Florida, in Miami. Um, Inez, who is now the uh, president of the Miami Association this year down there, she she started it. And I went to that one. And I was like, this is when I was really reaching for what is social media and how do I incorporate it in a real estate uh, profession? So I went to that and I connected with my web designer, who is still one of my web designers and marketing specialists that I'm still connected to, to this date, and who was also at Jacksonville, who you may have met. But um, I also connected to these other people first time face to face with them that I had been talking to on social media for forever. And it, it was a really impactful learning experience for me. And uh, the next month or so, we had the Florida Realtors Conference, and they were doing a, a, a Twitter board, a live feed, and they had it kind of on a couple of TVs out in the hallway and stuff. And they were like, oh, this is so great. Here's our hashtag. Use the hashtag for, you know, the conference. And when I went out of the hallway from a meeting, I saw it, and nobody's tweets were on there but mine. And I'm like, and they were talking about it. Two of the uh, admins there, communications director, Lisa Walker, said, you know, this girl, you know, Florida Sun Sales, she is really talking up this conference. I wonder who that is. And I walked out and go, that, that would be me. <laughs> and, you know, I, I met them and they were like, oh, my God, we got started. And how'd you get started? And they're like, you know, we, and I told them, I said, I just got back from this amazing experience, you know, and they're like, that's interesting. And and I that I really wish Florida Realtors had something like that here versus the old stand up, listen to somebody talk, take notes thing. And they perked up and Lisa, uh, my cohort and I would say my my co-sponsor of that bar camp. Um, she she and I talked a lot about it and we we went before the uh, CEO and the staff there at Florida Realtors and said, you know what, this is what we want to try. And they looked at us like we had three eyes, but, you know, they weren't sure about it. They'd never heard of it. They, they, they couldn't grasp it and understand, well, what do you mean? What are your topics? We need to publish this and we need to advertise it. And I said, no, no, just let me do it. I, I got it. And she and I just kind of spread the word. I said, all I need is the space. Just give me some floor space, you know. Right. And uh, we did it. And it was it was really the talk of that conference. It changed the conference, uh, the whole co- conference atmosphere. President Summer Green at the time 
just found me in the hallway. I was exhausted and she found me and said, oh, you've got to do this again. Oh my God, where were you? We were talking about this in the big meeting and wanted to recognize you for doing it. And I was like, I was worn out. That's where I was. But I said, yeah, I'll be happy to do it again next year. And then I did it. I did it for five years and I've turned it over to our uh, Florida now has a, a YPN chapter and they, they kind of have are spearheading it now, which is great. So, yeah. Let me, so let's say you're all over social media. Tell me your favorite social network. And, and is it the same as it was five years ago? Mm, I, I don't know that I have a favorite. You know, I kind of migrate towards things in, in, in uh, phases. I, I've gotten more involved in Facebook uh, simply for the ability to target advertise. Um, and, and that sort of thing and, and really drill down to what, where I want to put my content and how I want to be able to track it. Um, I love Twitter. I've gotten away from Twitter. Twitter has become a lot more noise to me now than it is personal engagements. I mean, we really used to have a lot of, you know, we would sit and have a Twitter stream that lasted for an hour of a conversation. I don't see that happening as much anymore. People are doing that on Facebook on these long posts. What I get frustrated with there, though, is, again, the opinions and uh, aggravations of people saying things that they wouldn't say in a face-to-face conversation. You know, that that's frustrating. Um, but for business and business purposes with pages and with video, um, I would say Facebook now probably is what I use most of the time. And I, I do try to cross post LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. I'm not a Snapchat person. I really don't know how to do it. My daughter texted me the other day and says, do you even understand what you're doing on Snapchat? And I said, no, not really. I'll quit. You know, so <laughs> that was the end of the Snapchat. I, you and I have had this conversation before, but the relationship building aspect of, of what you're doing with by reaching out. Um, and listening to all these different people in these conversations is huge. And and so you've taken that to a to another level with a different part of the business with the, the relocation portion of your company. So talk mm-hmm. about that, how important that is, how you how you grew that and and how you keep those connections strong. Again, relocation is a an untapped area of a realtor's business. Uh, being able to make a referral and get paid is really about one of the easiest things we we do. Receiving a referral and having a customer that you wouldn't have had any other way, that's a blessing in my book. Um, and I also recognize that early on that, you know, if nothing else, I'll back out of real estate showings altogether and I'll create just this huge relocation, you know, piece here with with websites and, you know, things like that, that I could gather that information from. But um, being able to, once you have a person that's coming into your area, for instance, or leaving your area, more importantly, being able to refer that person to someone that you have spoken to, someone that you know gets it, that they are on the same level that you are. You know, I wouldn't want to turn my customer over to someone who was less knowledgeable than myself, you know, so I'm looking for those people to be in my referral network who have some common sense and have a good business. You know, I'm not going to turn them over to someone who doesn't 
understand what they're doing. Through CRS and through this network of that I've created all over the country and friends and acquaintances, um, I, I've never had a referral fail. Um, or someone call me and say, I just don't get along with so-and-so or they were terrible. I've never, knock on wood, had that happen. Um, so those relationships are super important. Yeah, I, I love to hear that part of the business. I, You know, you mentioned Snapchat earlier, and there's there's a whole group of realtors hanging out on Snapchat. And I think what their number one benefit, if you ask most of them, it's the relationships they built. And now they know somebody in Jacksonville or in Salt Lake City or in you know, Northern California mm-hmm. when they need that person. And that's part of the value that you bring, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, Debbie, thank you so much for your time. I've had you here um, over the half hour I asked of you. And so I, just like every other podcast, I end it with the same question. If you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? Go talk to other very successful agents. Ask them how they run their day, how they started their business, what would they do differently than they're doing now if they had it to do over again, and take all that information back and decide who you want to be and how you want to be and what you want to be when you grow up in real estate. I love that. That's great. Debbie, if somebody wants to reach out to you and get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I am a voice person, so my phone number is uh, 850-212-0440, and my email is debbie at firststory.co. Debbie, thank you so much for for sharing your journey with us. Uh, I hope, I didn't believe I'd ever say this living in Florida, I hope it warms up. (laughs) <laughs> it gets a little warmer up there in Tallahassee. Uh, you and me both. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. Have a great day.